Um, I've been thinking about some of our favorite bedtime stories or our favorite children's stories growing up. You know, some of you might say my favorite story growing up. I'm just talking about not Bible stories. I'm just talking about regular stories, you know, Hansel and Gretel. How many, how many of you like the Hansel and Gretel story? You know, the two kids and wandering through the woods and, you know, um, they find a house made out of gingerbread. I mean, that gets me excited right there, a house made out of gingerbread, all right? And so, you know, so you got that story. And then you got the, uh, the story, maybe for some of you that are a little bit younger than me, you know, where the wild things are. How many of you like that story, right? You know, where the wild things are. I, I think it's safe to say that perhaps the most loved stories of all time, and I think for every one of us, we know the story, it's the story of the three little pigs. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, you can't go wrong with that story. I mean, you got the three, you know, got the three pigs, you know, and, uh, and just in case you didn't hear that story growing up, let me give you the cliff notes on, on the story. We got the first pig, you know, he decided to build a house made out of hay. And he builds it up very quickly, very fast, and uh, he gets in the house. Everything's great, everything's fun, he's loving it. And uh, the second brother, the second pig, he builds a second house. He builds it out of sticks. And uh, he builds it really fast, really quickly. House is done. And then you got the third pig, right? And what the third pig do? He built the house made out of brick. Now, the third brother, or that third pig, right, he, he, it takes time. It's not very quick. It's hard work. He's sweating like a pig, all right? I mean, it's just, you know, the two other pigs, they're just taking their time, they're drinking their, they're drinking their peanut coladas, you know, just relaxing in the sun, soaking it all in, watching the third brother just work, work, and work. And, and, it, and it, some time passed, months passed, and finally, that third house, the brick house, gets done. And they all settle in their different homes, and then before you know it, right, the big bad wolf, who shows up, knocks on that first house, the house made out of hay, right? And he knocks on the door, <laughs> he said, little pig, little pig, let me in. And what the pig say? Not by the hair of my trinity chin chin. I, you all know this, it's great. And he said, oh man, I'm going to huff. I'm going to puff, I'm going to blow the house down. And he blows that house down. And that little pig runs to the second house, the house made out of sticks. You know, and they're hiding in there, and the big bad wolf shows up. Same thing, he knocked that house down. So the two little pigs, they run to that third pig's house, the brick house. And there's that little wolf, the big bad wolf shows up and says, hey, let me in, let me in. And, and, and of course, the you know, that third pig, he said, hey, come on, bring it on, big boy, you know? And, and he said, all right, I'm going to huff, I'm going to puff, and blow that house down. And he does it, and he doesn't blow the house down. He does it again, and does it again, and finally, after several times, you know, the, the, the wolf is smart, right? He's smart, he gets up on the roof. He gets up there, he chimneys down into the chimney, and falls, out, falls right into a big, hot, you know, a hot boiling pot, right? And, and that night, literally, the pig, they pig out on wolf fajitas. <laughs> good time, good time. I'm not sure if that's even the original story, but we'll just kind of add to it, right? <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know, I don't know if you realize it or not, but that famous story, it illustrates one of the most profound teachings that we ever get from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
In fact, we hear this at the end, at the conclusion of the, one of the greatest sermons that Jesus ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount was a very long, long sermon. Chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And he preached a long sermon. And at the end of his long sermon, Jesus brought something up that his culture could connect. And here's what I love about this. Not only did the culture 2,000 years ago could connect, but it's something that we can connect with as well today. And he brings up this idea of home construction, building construction. And obviously, Jesus himself knew a lot about, you know, construction work. He was a carpenter growing up. You know, his, his earthly father, Joseph, was a carpenter, and so that was Jesus' trade. And so he, he, he knew all about the, the, the hammers and the nails and all the stuff about building construction. And so we see where Jesus kind of drives this in Matthew chapter 7. In verses 24 to 27, notice how Jesus kind of closed out this sermon on the mount. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He said the storm came, right? The rain came, the river rises up, the wind blows, beat on that house. And yet the, the, yet the house, it did not fall. It had its foundation on the rock. But then in verse 26, Jesus says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. He said, the storm comes, right? The rain came, the river rises up, the wind blows, it beats against the house. The Bible says that the house fell with a great crash. And so Jesus, he tells his listeners, the audience. You know, a couple of builders, they're, they're throwing up a couple of houses in a master plan community. One of the builders was a pretty intelligent guy, the wise man, right? The Bible said that Jesus, you know, and Jesus said that he dug deep. He, he, he built his foundation on the rock. It took a long time to do this. Took some extra time to build a house like this. But he does it and does it well. On the other guy, you know, the foolish builder, just kind of gets it done in a hurry. You know, he finds a random lot in the community, doesn't worry about the foundation, you know, of that lot. You know, he says, you know, who needs a foundation? Not to build a house. And so this foolish builder, he built his house on sand. And this foolish builder was probably done with the house way before the wise man did. You know, just relaxing, just like the two little pigs, right? Just kind of taking it easy, just kind of watching from a distance. The other guy working, working, and working. And finally, the other home, both homes, were done. And on the surface, both houses, they look great. They, they have the same price point. They have the same, uh, the same uh, curb appeal, the same kind of lot. Everything from the outside looks good. However, 
It only looked good in good weather. In good weather. And Christ tells us that that rain, when the storm hits, you know, and the river rises up, the man that built the house on a foundation, his house, weathered the storms. Well, the other guy, his house was gone. And here's the reality this morning. The reality for all of us here that we're all building houses. You and I, every one of us in this room, no matter how old or how young you are, you're building something. And today, we're going to get very up close and personal, right, with these two men. We're going to get up close with the foolish man. We're going to get up and close with the wise man. And we're going to see what it takes to build a true, lasting foundation for our lives. And I think it might surprise you. I think, you know, if you're like me, you're going to probably see um, yourself in, in both of these men, the foolish and the wise builder. Let's look, first of all, at the foolish builder this morning, the guy who had that quick fit mentality, right? He get it done in a hurry. You know, he's like the first and second pig. Build a house made out of hay and out of stick. The first idea about this foolish man, this foolish builder, is that he was a poor planner. A poor planner. I doubt that this guy consulted with an engineer or with an architect. I bet this guy thought, man, I know what I'm doing. You know, I, I've got my own, my thought, my own plan, my own priority. You know, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm just going to build this house quickly. And he didn't have a plan. No plan whatsoever. You see, when you build something today, there's a plan. You better have a plan. You know, there's, there's drawing. You know, there's, you know, there's conversation with an architect and with, a, with an engineer. You know, you're, you're, you're working out on all the details. You know, you know what you need to get, the supplies you need to buy in advance. There's a plan. There's a plan. You must follow the plan. In other words, the priorities that you must follow. Priorities. The most important part of a home, most important part of a building is what? The foundation. You must have a strong foundation for a house. Now, let me ask you, how many, how many golfers in the room. All right, we got some, okay? How many of you like, man, it's going to be a beautiful day for golf today. I, I see, I mean, it's going to be awesome, you know? And uh, it, it, I, I, I like to think I can play golf, and I can get out there, and I can dress the part, I can look the part, you know? I've got the hat, you know? And, you know, I've got the scorecard. I can get behind the, the cart, you know, the, the wheel of a cart, and, uh, and I may sound like I'm a great golfer, but when it comes down to hitting that ball, that's a different story. Uh, but hey, I have fun trying anyway, okay? I have fun anyway. You know uh, why on a golf course you hear the moans and the groans, the <laughs> curse words? Not for me, okay? All right? Don't hear that for me. <laughs> you know why you hear that? i tell you, you know, two words, sand traps. Oh, man, they're the worst. I mean, I, 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 I long for the day where the golf course has no, you know, find a golf course that has no sand traps. You know, it, I got 90% grass 
No, 95% crap and 5%, you know, or less sand crap. And I just happen to find that 5% every time. I mean, I hit the ball. I said, there's no way I'm going to get in that sand trap. It's way over. There's too far, too close. There's two over here, two over there. And yet, somehow, my, my golf ball is a magnet to sand traps. And then they get in the sand trap. Listen, it's hard to hit a ball out of a sand trap. I mean, and the reason is because that ball sits on no foundation. It's just much easier to strike a ball, to hit a ball off a fairway where you have a solid foundation. And I think a lot of us right now, and here's the reality, I think a lot of us right now we're building our lives in sand traps. We're building our lives in sand traps. I think for some of us, we don't even realize it. He's just kind of going through the motions of life but the reality is you're living and building your life in the sand. We're building sand castles. We're building sand structures only for the waves and the storms of life to come through and to wash it away. And so a foundation is absolutely a priority, a plan when we build. My question for you today, what are your priorities? What are your priorities? Uh, we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit more here in the, in the message. But if we focus on sand and not on the rock, we're going to be in trouble every time. And a lot of us say we want to build our lives on a solid foundation. But we don't really live that way. A lot of us get so involved in some sand stuff that we miss out on the good stuff on what God wants us to live on. And I see that from time to time. I see you and I hear Christian, you know, they, 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 they say, hey, Scott, I want to grow in my relationship with God. I really want to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. But then on the other hand, they tell me all about how busy they are. And all the stuff they got going on. I said, well, do you have time for Bible study? Do you have time for one-on-one discipleship? I said, oh, God, I really don't have time for any of that. I mean, I want to grow. I do want to grow in my life with Jesus. But on the other hand, we're in the sand. Our priorities are out of whack. It's a mess because we're living in the sand. And you're just living. You're just going through the motions. Listen, I'm all for hobbies, activities recreational pursuits. I'm all for that kind of stuff. And I think they're great. But too many of us, we overdose on those things. Jesus says, listen, he said, when the storm hits, not if, when. You see, for some of you right now, the storm in your life is on the Doppler radar. It hasn't hit you yet, but it's going to. And it's going to hit. And when the storm strikes, when it hits, what do you have? What are your priorities? What are your plans? Have you consulted with the architect, the engineer? Or you say, man, I'm just like the foolish builder. I know what I'm doing. I do it. I weather the storm my way. And the foolish builder, 
He was a poor planner. He was a jackethar. He was a poor listener. A poor listener. I can imagine why he was building his house. I'm sure there were some other builders around. I'm sure the wise builder was nearby. He said, man, you're building your house all wrong. Man, you really should build on that foundation. You shouldn't really build on the sand. And I'm sure the foolish builder was like, man, I, I got this. Don't tell me what to do. You know, I, I, yeah, I know what you're saying about that little creek down there. I, I got some distance between it, me, and that, me and that creek. We're good. I, I, you know, and, and he, he, he didn't listen. He was a poor listener. There's a difference, wouldn't you say, between hearing and listening. There's a difference. You know, uh, for me, you know, she said, God, that's pretty rich coming from a deaf guy. You know, the difference between hearing and listening. You know, I, I mean, I used to, for a little while, be able to pull that game with Karen. But then Karen says, God, I know you can, I know you can, you know, listen. <laughs> I also know you can hear sometimes. You know, you got selective hearing. I said, what are you talking about? You know, he said, I know, uh-huh. And, uh, you know, she, she, she knows. I, 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 when I was growing up in high school, I used to have a pen on my varsity jacket. And, and I said, ooh, God, you play varsity sports in high school? Man, I didn't realize. Said, Listen, there are only 40 kids in school, okay? So don't, you know, it's easy to make the varsity team. All right? So I think just every boy in school got on the varsity team. And so, you know, I, I, I'm wearing a varsity jacket, and I had a pen on my varsity jacket. You know what it said, Dave? I said, I'm not deaf. I'm just ignoring you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> There's a difference, right, between hearing and listening. See, the hearing is passive. Listening is active. It's active. You know, we do that. You know, we hear somebody but we may not listen. We may not listen. We might hear with our ears, but we don't listen with our hearts. You know, James, the half-brother of Jesus, really drives this point. It said in James chapter 1, verse 22, I got two translations. I'm going to look at the New Living Translation, that second, that second verse. It said, don't just listen to God's word. He said, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. You're going to become a foolish, you're going to be like that foolish builder if you don't do what God's word said. And sometimes we deceive ourselves if we think that hearing the word of God is enough. Just hearing God's word. You know, it's just so easy to do. It's so easy to say, hey, God, get into the word. But you don't listen to the word. And I believe that God, God's word would never return void. Even when you're reading through some of the difficult passages of scripture. Listen, I'm reading right now in my devotion. 
I'm reading, I'm in Ezekiel. That's where my planners had me right now. The book of Ezekiel. If you don't know a guy named Ezekiel, I mean, it's full of wild dreams. It's like, man, you've ate too many burritos the night before, man. I got all these crazy visions. I mean, Ezekiel, just a struggle to read it. You know, and if I was reading something yesterday through the book of Ezekiel, and I said, God, help me to, you know, get something out of this today. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get something. And man, there's something that happens when you pray that. God, before you open God's will, God, show me. I'm listening. Because if you're not careful, we can just get to hearing, going through the motions, just so we can check it off and say, hey, I read my Bible today. But you didn't really listen to the Bible. Y'all with me? This man right here, the foolish man, he heard it all. It just wasn't listening. It wasn't listening. And, and, and so James, he, he says in chapter 1, verse 22, just do it. Don't just listen, do it. Don't just hear the word of God, do it. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 said, just do it. You know, Nike made billions off that phrase. You know, they should give some credit to Jesus and James. Just do it. So, hey, this uh, foolish man was a poor planner. He was a poor listener. Here's the third thing about him. He was a poor digger. A poor digger. In other words, he didn't dig deep. He just put the structure up. He was just, he was more concerned, listen, he was more concerned about the drive-by. He was more concerned about the curb appeal, the external. He didn't care about the internal. He didn't care about, he, he was more concerned about the showroom and not the stock room. Y'all with me? Because we, oh, come on, we all get into this sometimes because we so, we so focused so much about the outward appearance. Hey, you know, I've got a certain, I've got a certain uh, reputation I've got to uphold. I've got to show up to church. I've got to have my Jesus smile on, even though my, my, my life is a mess. But hey, you know, I've got to put up a facade. I've got to fake my way through church and fake my way through biblical community and just say, hey, man, I've got it all put together when the reality is you're a mess inside. You're a pack rat. You can barely move in the house. But nonetheless, the curb appeal, wonderful, great. Landscaping's all trim. But inside, you're a mess. You're a mess. And so many of us, we don't spend time on the foundation, the inside stuff. And that's what this, hey, that's what the foolish guy was all about. It was all about his curb appeal. And you care about the, the stuff that you really have to work at. You know, the stuff you have to really get on your knees, roll up the sleeves, and get dirty. You got to focus on the rock, focus on the foundation. And some of us, we don't spend time on the rock. Let me ask you, how much time, how much energy, how much money, how much thought are you putting into the external compared to the internal. How much above ground rather than below ground? 
How much thought, energy, resources have you put into the, into the, the showroom rather than the stock room? I mean, this is, this is hard saying of Jesus, right? Penetrating words. And see, we see the, the foolish man. He, he, he didn't plan. He didn't listen. He didn't dig deep. But the wise man, the wise builder, he, he planned, didn't he? He, 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 he talked to the architect. He talked to engineers. He had that going on. He listened. He listened to wise counsel. You know, he didn't just hear it with his ears. He listened with his heart. And then he dug deep. He went all the way down to the rock, the foundation. And that's all good, right? That's awesome. But you know, here's what I want you to get. Here's the bottom line of what Jesus is trying to get at here. The bottom line, and as we take a little bit further into the story, you know, as we look at foundation, we see what Jesus was talking about. He was driving at the difference between hearing and listening. He, he said it's one word that summarized both hearing and listening, hearing and practicing. One word that captured it all. And here's what Jesus was going after, and this is the big difference between a foolish man and the wise man. It's just one word, if you're taking notes, obedience. When we, when we get down to the nitty-gritty of this story, the nitty-gritty, is, I mean, it's obedience, right? It's obedience. It's a life of obedience. Obedience. It separates the true Christ followers from the fake followers. Obedience separates spiritual depth from spiritual shallowness. Obedience separates people who built up on the external from those who built up on the inside. Obedience separates the Sunday morning only Christians and the Monday to Saturday Christians. I want you to listen very carefully. I want a footnote. There's a little footnote here. You do not become a Christian by obedience. We need to understand that. You do not become a Christian. We don't believe that here. We believe that God doesn't teach us that to be a Christian, you've got to obey. That's not what that is. In fact, the Bible teaches that we are saved by faith. You do not obey your way into faith. You are saved by faith. And that's it. That's a faith step. Trusting in Jesus, plus nothing, minus nothing. And once we make that decision, once we become a Christ follower, then our faith is seen by our obedience. You understand what I'm saying? Your faith will show the fruit of obedience in your life. In fact, it's so important. True obedience often is revealed through the storms. Y'all hear me? True obedience often shows a beautiful head when you're in the middle of a storm. Hey, listen, it's easy to obey and walk and talk to Christian life when the sun's out when everything is good, everything is calm, 
It's another thing to walk and talk and obey Jesus in the middle of the storm. And I've seen it both ways, my friend. I've seen it with, with people who are so godly, who love Jesus. They don't just, they don't just talk it. They walk it. They obey. And then when that category four, category five storm rocked the world, my eyes are watching. How are they going to respond? How are they going to respond? And I've seen them thrive in the middle of a storm. And of course, I've seen the other way. I've seen it where people who are just, hey, barely... They're followers of Christ, but they're barely, they're casually making it by. They live most of their life in the sand traps. And when the storm hits, they're gone. True obedience is revealed through the storms of life. Uh, let me ask you the question. I want to really put it where you live today. What are you practicing from the Bible? Right now. What are you practicing? You know, in our last message series, I know it seems like eternity. If I were to ask you what the last message series, someone would be like, hold on, hold on, I need, a, I need a few minutes. Let me think about it. But the last message series was all in. All in. Talk about going all in for Jesus. You know, to be an all in disciple, to bet the farm, to bet your life. On Jesus, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And if we just hear it, but we don't practice it, we don't listen, we, you know, for, we don't practice what we're hearing, being an all-in disciple, then you're just building our lives in a sand trap. Y'all with me? He said, man, it's got that good preaching, and you walk out of here, and you forgot what the message is all about. Building your life in sand traps. You're hearing it, but you're not listening. We hear about the importance of the local church. We hear about the importance of showing up regularly to worship together in a large community. We hear about the importance of being hooked up in a small group. We hear about what the Bible says about giving no, generously, 10% of our resources to the local church, and we hear all that stuff. But if we don't put it into practice, sand trap, baby. Oh, sand traps. We're living. We can, we, we can hear about sexuality, that, that God thought upset, that it's a gift from him. It's to be practiced between one man and one woman within the context of marriage, and we can hear that. We can hear that premarital sex is wrong, that homosexuality is wrong, that pornography is wrong. We can hear all that stuff, but if we don't put it into practice, sand traps. We can hear about forgiveness. We can hear about how to process anger in the Bible and all the wonderful things that the Bible talks about, but if we don't put it into practice, if we don't just do it, stand traps. Maybe you're saying, Scott, I hear you. <laughs> I think I hear you. I hope you're listening. 
And I understand what you're saying, but I, I really want to do this right thing, Scott. I really want to do the right thing. How do I make a call between the sand and the rock? How do I discover God's best for me? How do I become the wise builder? Listen, you can't change the past. If you've been living a life in the sand, guess what? You can change that today. You really can. You can get back on the solid, firm foundation like the wise man did. You can turn it around. I'm going to give you three thoughts on how you can be a wise builder. You ready for this? Number one, you got to take a soil sample. Take a soil sample. You have to do this. Now, before you even buy the lot, sometimes you want you put a contingency. Right, Dave? We talked about this before. You know, you buy a contingency, we got to check. We want to check the soil. Make sure that there wasn't a grave site there 100 years ago or something, you know? Make sure that there wasn't a landfill there, a junkyard, you know? And, and then you got all the bad, you know, uh, methane gas coming out of the ground. And, you know, that, that won't be good. You don't want some methane gas going into the church auditorium, you know? There might be a different spirit going on when that happens, you know? We don't want that. And so before you even purchase the property, before you build the plan, you do an environmental study. Take a soil sample, you test it, make sure that, you, you know, you've got good ground. And then you've got, you've got the great underneath, the underneath that you can't see to build a house or to build a building. You've got to take a soil sample. In other words, for our application here, you need to measure the sand in your life against the rock in your life. You need to ask yourself, hey, what is this sand stuff? And what is the solid stuff? What is the rock stuff? The stuff that helps me to grow and to develop my relationship with Christ. And you need to do a soil sample. And some of us, were, you know, we're so busy on stuff that don't matter. Sand stuff, and you need, to, you need to take a soil sample and check that out. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. It says, no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Jesus, he is our rock. And everything must revolve around him. Everything. If it doesn't, revolve around Jesus, then listen, it's simply sand. Take a soil sample. Take a soil sample. Make a list. Hammer out what is sand, what is rock, and say, God, here's my list. I need some help. Tweak me, help me, show me what to do. What foundation, what do I need to work on in my life? Got to take a soil sample. Number two, got to build on the right lot. Now build on the right lot. Don't just say, hey, no, I'm just going to build there. You could be pointing to a bunch of sand. Build on the right lot. You know, Jesus said these words as he was talking to Simon Peter. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He said, now I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He did not say to Peter that you're the rock, and we're going to build a church on you, Peter. Now, what he said 
He said, upon this rock, capital R, me. That's what Jesus, he pointed to himself. Upon this rock, I am the rock. And I will build my church on me, the solid rock that will never fail. I will build my church. Let me put the pause button quickly. Do you know Jesus personally this morning? You have a relationship with Jesus. I said earlier that to know Christ, you have to make a faith decision. Faith decision. Have you made that decision? Have you, asked, have you taken that step? Have you asked Jesus to come into your life? Have you said, God, I've messed up. I've been building my life in the sand. I've been building my life. I've been building sand castles. God, today I admit my sinfulness. I admit it all. I give it to you. Come into my life. I want to build my life on a true foundation. And that, that, my friend, that's how you become a Christ follower. It's a simple prayer and asking God to come into your life. And that's how you become a Christ follower. Now, if you've done that already, if you've asked Jesus to come in your life, then you have made a foundation on the rock. You have laid that foundation. But maybe this morning, you need to keep building on that foundation. Y'all hear me? You got to keep building on that foundation, supporting that, that, supporting that structure of your life on the foundation of Jesus. And say, God, how do I do that? Well, Jesus gave us a hint. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Hmm. Let me ask you, what are you doing with the local church? What are you doing with the bride of Christ? Uh, what are you doing? I, 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 you say it's important. Is it? Are, are, are you faithful? Are you serving? Are you giving faithfully to it? Listen, the, the church, the church is the, you know, it's God's plan to reach the world. And it's something that God established 2,000 years ago. History and leaders and Satan himself have tried to destroy the church. And here we are, 2,000 years later. The church is still happening. I can't think of another organization that has lasted 2,000 years. I've known some organizations that have lasted a long time. But they don't make it. I think of Sears Roebuck and Company. You know, last week I said I, don't, I hate them all. Yesterday, Karen dragged me to the mall. Yes. Going around Lakeside Mall, and there's Sears, and Sears is no more. That was one of the main days of our industrial revolution. I mean, from a long time, and it, God, church. Do you revolve your life around the church? Does it have a priority? Go back to that priority question. Because the church is there when you need it the most. When you're going through the storms, God has designed a church that we can, as a biblical community, can come around and gather and help you and pick up the pieces. But when you're, when you're not around, it's so much harder for the church to rally around you. I'm not saying the church won't help or do the best it can, but it's not the same. There's someone who's here, who connected, 
church? Are you building your life on the church? Building your life on the church? You got to, hey, my friend, you got you to build on the right lot. And here's the third thing. Be a wise builder. You got to have your home inspected. Have your home inspected. The best inspection verses would be Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Touch me and know my anxious thoughts. God, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know that three times in the scripture that the Bible is referred to as a mirror? You know that three times. The word of God is compared to a mirror. You know what a mirror does? <laughs> Why, the first thing you did this morning, you saw yourself in a mirror. And probably most of us thought, ugh. <laughs> That's what we said. Was, oh, man, I look terrible. I mean, it shows all of our, all of our issues. It shows all of our blemishes. It shows all of our work. It shows all of our pimples. You know, it shows it all. You know, it shows the, the hair coming out of your ear, out of your nose. Oh, it's not a pretty sight. If I thank God for the mirror, if I didn't have a mirror, you wouldn't, want to be, you wouldn't want to be around me. I would look like a, I would look like a madman. That mirror helped me what I need to fix. It shows me what I need to do. See, that's what Christianity is all about. See, Christianity, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about God. We don't go to God and say, God, let me examine you with a mirror. God examines us. And it shows us where we need to begin to work in our lives. It begins to show the cracks in the foundation. It begins to show the sand stuff that we need to get rid of. The sand castle that's not going to last the storms. It's going to show us where we need to work on. And when we do that, when we listen to the, the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, it's going to show us. Listen. God might, be, God might be speaking to you right now or something. Just do it. Because when you do it, your life begins to click. Your life begins to thrive. Your life begins to soar like eagles. Because you are living on a foundation. The storms of life, hey, listen, go in the head. The question is, Will you survive it? Are you ready? Are you ready for the storm? If you're living your life in the sand traps, my friend, you're not going to survive. Your faith is going to blow apart. But when you build your life on a rock, on a firm foundation, your life will thrive. Three little pigs. Right? Started off with that story. No, remember the little pig who did the straw hut in the stick house? Remember the big bad wolf who puffed, blew them down? What did those brothers do? They ran to the brick house. And they found safety in the brick house. Why? Because the brick house had a foundation. They found peace 
They found tranquility of the soul. They were able to survive and thrive. Listen, lately God's been showing some sad stuff in my life. Nobody likes to look in the mirror and say, oh, God, I need to get rid of the fluff. I need to get rid of the sand. I want to build my life on the rock. On the rock of Jesus Christ. What about you? God, we ask your help today. A Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. Show us the cracks. Show us the sand stuff, the sand trap that we're living in. God, help us to be a wise master builder who builds our lives on you, revolves our lives around the church, and daily coming to you and saying, God, show me my faults. Show me the things that I need to work on in my life. God, help me get rid of the sand. Help me to build my life on a firm foundation. In Jesus' name, amen.